Welcome to the Pastor's Porch, a place where pastors encourage one another, speak freely about the Word of God, and engage in real communal relationships with the body of Christ. Hello everyone, welcome to episode 11 of the Pastor's Porch. Uh, Pastor Zach and I are excited to bring a three-part series today to you. Um, Today's going to be part one, next week will be part two, and the following week will be part three. Our three-part series is, drum roll please, is going to be on Jezebel. Um, I know this is a, a uh, hot take and something that a lot of people don't like to talk about because it brings up things that we don't like to discuss as a body of the church, but guess what? It's in the Bible. It needs to be discussed. And so today we are going to cover um, Jezebel and Ahab in First and Second Kings. Uh, the following week, we're going to cover Jezebel and Thyatira that it comes out of the book of Revelation. And then the following week, we are going to cover the spirit of Jezebel, and we'll take that all throughout scriptures um, and, and what Pastor Zach and I have learned and have studied out. And um, it's going to be exciting. And so hopefully you really tune in and you pay attention to uh, these next three weeks, uh, we feel that what we are going to discuss and talk about is vital um, within the church. Um, Jezebel, uh, just as a prophetess in the Old Testament and in Revelation, and the spirit of Jezebel um, is uh, at work, and we see different signs of different things uh, that have um, that are a part of our our world today that coincide with who she was as an individual, as a prophetess, and the spirit of her that we deal with um, in, in, our, in our lives today. And so it needs to be discussed, and so we're going to kind of go through and break down these scriptures and talk about it, and so hopefully you tune in um, to the, this three-part series and you take notes on it. Um, and our, our goal through this is to not... Um, is to not make you think you have a Jezebel spirit or to make you think, oh, this person is, is a Jezebel spirit. We're not, we're not causing, um, we're not saying there are individuals or people who have these spirits. We just want to make you aware of who this prophetess was, who this prophetess is, and the spirit that is at work of Jezebel, at work very much in um, the churches today and in the world around us. And so we want you to understand what Scripture says, and we want you to give insight on what we think um, the Lord has told us about some different things and some of the encounters that we have had um, and what we have learned. And so we're excited to bring you this today. So today, Jezebel and Ahab. Pastor Zach, take it away. Well, <clears throat> Jezebel and Ahab, uh, don't let this be intimidating. The first thing I would tell you, um, th- their names are spread throughout Scripture here in First Kings and Second Kings, and uh, I would not, I would not uh, overthink it, but don't miss what Scripture teaches us. Sometimes we have a part to uh, to just kind of oh say well that's the Old Testament, but I want to show you some things. Um, I can sum it up real real quick. It would go like this: Ahab was a wicked man, Jezebel was a wicked woman. They both defy the living God. And they both fought against God. Mm-hmm. And they both ultimately lost their lives uh, because of that. And their names are remembered uh, in not a well way. Um, this is how you know that. Um, you've met children named Ruth. 
you know, you've met children named Naomi, you've met um, young girls named Deborah. I've never met a young girl named Jezebel, ever, in my life. Nope. Um, so even all these in, years in, later, yeah. you know, uh, typically the, when you hear that name, it's automatically even if you don't understand the the importance yes. or the um, the yeah. depth of it. Usually, when you hear yes. that, it is a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, for me to jump into this, uh, we're just gonna kind of walk through some things. Obviously, we can't cover it all. This is spread over so many chapters, but I'm gonna try to hit some highlights. Um, and if you'll hit some highlights with me. But the first place that I found that I really wanted to read was 1 Kings chapter 16. And I'm going to say verse 29 through 33. And there may be other verses that you enjoy. But I would like to try to teach maybe just a little bit out of this and people to hear. Uh, The Bible says this. Now, I have a King James and an English Standard Version. I'm going to read out of the ESV just to make it a little easier on us uh, here. It says this. In the 38th year of Asa, the king of Judah, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to reign in, in Israel over Israel. Ahab, the son of Omri, reigned over Israel in Samaria 20 and two years. And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord more, listen to this, than all who were before him. So more than any king up to this point, Ahab has done evil. And if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took his wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Sidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the, in the house of Baal, which he had built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah, and Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than anger all the kings who were before him. In his day, Hale, Hale of Bethel built Jericho. He laid the foundation at the cost of Abram, his firstborn, and set up the gates at the cost of his son, Segub, uh, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Joshua, uh, the son of Nun. So let me, let me just cover three quick takes right there. This is going to focus on Ahab, and it's going to also focus on Jezebel. Um, Ahab, according to the scripture that we just read, was more wicked than any king who had come before him up to this point. Correct. Now, the interesting thing about that is when we talk about Ahab and Jezebel, we tend to talk about Jezebel's wickedness, but never Ahab's. Correct. But the Bible just told you that he was more wicked than any king up to that point. Okay, the second thing there that the Bible says is it wasn't even a light thing for him to be that wicked. In other words, he was enjoying this. Mm -hmm. He was enjoying this wickedness. The third thing I find of interest here is that Ethbel, Jezebel's dad, Literally, the name means near unto the Phoenician god Baal. Mm-hmm. Literally, what the word means, Eth is near or nearness, and then Baal uh, is, the, of course, the Phoenician deity, right? And so then the other thing that I find amazingly interesting is Joshua had prophesied and actually said the person who rebuilds Jericho is going to be cursed. And during Ahab's rule, all of these things happen. Like, this just shows the importance of godly leadership and Absolutely. how crazy... Ahab really was, because we tend in the story of Ahab and Jezebel... To focus on Jezebel. We kind of focus on Jezebel, right? Because because of her attitude and her defiance and, and how she acts. But this kind of lays the groundwork. Um, uh, there's an old saying when I was a kid, it takes two to tango. Correct. <laughs> it, it pees in a pod, you know, sort of speak. And so the reality is that, that Ahab was a wicked man. And whether it was the rebuilding of Jericho that happened under his watch, 
whether it was the building of the Asher trees and the, and the poles and the, and the, the altars that he built and the groves, or whether it was the Baal worship, or whether it was just simply marrying this woman whom he knew was going to draw him into this pagan Phoenician worship. Um, but this word that he's more wrought in than any king up to this point, and had brought more distress upon the Lord than any king of Israel, that kind of lays the groundwork for the kind of marriage we're looking at. Yeah, well... We always talk about the the ill temperament, the self willed that Jezebel was. Right, uh, Ahab was that way and was that too in his own uh, way, just a different temperament. Right, right. Yeah. And so you kind of already touched on it, but I mean, he willfully entered a marriage that you go study the the political side and the 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 regions that they were in that went against everything in the area that he was in, everything that God had already put together. Right. Willfully went against it. Purposefully. Purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of shows, go down into 1 Kings chapter 16 here and read, and it explains why he was enjoying the wickedness. Right, yeah. Um, And we don't don't like to talk about Ahab because Jezebel has so much... Like power in that, but going back to to the marriage side of things, um, they were both wicked. Yeah, and oh, yeah, it absolutely. it honestly, what we don't talk about in in this story in in Kings is I think it it, it shows us a representation of a wrongful marriage. Yeah, and we don't like to talk about that aspect of it. And I found this article, and I, I want to read this because um, it it shows and talks about this this ill marriage that happens between the two of them. Okay, mm-hmm. obviously Ahab, where he was raised, should have been a lot more God fearing and honoring. Sure, yeah. Jezebel, being who she was, was a pagan worshiper. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have a pagan worshiper, and you have a king who's supposed to honor and know more of God, who both come together. Yeah. Well, one, Ahab shouldn't have even thought about marrying a pagan worshiper. And then a pagan worshiper is marrying someone who is also wicked. So it's this ill marriage that goes on. Okay. And I, I'm I'm kind of, when I read this, I'm like, man, this is a caution to us yeah. in, in the church. But listen to what this article says. It says, marriages to stubborn, willful people can bring unhappiness to all concerned. Their indomitable self-will, which has never been surrendered to God, will seldom give in to those around them. With unyielding obstinacy, they keep demanding their own way and looking for every possible means and method of doing or having what they want. They will not listen to reason. They will not consider the feelings of others. They will not face the potential consequences of their intended actions. They believe that they are right and others are wrong, and they are determined to have everything their way. They obviously know very little of God's love, which does not seeks its own, seeks its own. Excuse me, but they have only self-love, which insists on its rights and its demands in its own way. Wow. And when I read that and think of this story in First Kings, it is a picture for us to be aware of a wrongful marriage, to be aware aware of wrongful intentions mm-hmm. yeah, and to be aware of getting away from the self love. 
Yeah, I see. I see a couple things there when you were talking um, that just jumped out at me, and uh, I'll address that that article maybe in just a moment. But the first thought I want to have when you started speaking and as we were developing this thought on Jezebel um, and Ahab was uh, disobedience is not always loud. Mm-hmm. You know, Jezebel was loud. Um, her her actions, everything, even we'll get to her death in a little bit, but even the way she died, you know, she painted her face and she prepared herself as the queen that she was yeah. and she it was prideful even her death Absolutely. was prideful and that's why the eunuchs threw her out the window but uh but the reality is 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 this this is a caution just because you're quiet doesn't mean you're obedient hmm. and and i think ahab was a very passive very submissive man you see him later and we'll talk about it in a minute with naboth's vineyard where he goes and cries on his bed because he doesn't get his way I mean, he's a coward. I mean, this is what yes. Ahab is. He's a coward. But all of this plays into what you're bringing up, which is our yoke, right? Correct. Like who we're yoked to matters. This is this is why when I talk to young people and they want to do marriage counseling or they want to talk about their future or they want to talk about who they're going to marry or choose to spend their time with, the first question I ask is, are they born again? Are they a Christian? Are are they in relationship with Jesus? Because it's very unpopular to say this, but the likelihood of you marrying a non-believer and then turning them into a believer is very slim. Um, whereas if two believers become married, the fruit from their life is 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 amazing, right? Um, I've seen too many people struggle with this over the years, and this is why the Lord gave the commands that He did about not marrying into these, not intermarrying into different types of worship. It was never about skin color. Let me throw that in there. It was never about skin color as the church tried to make it back a couple hundred years ago. It had nothing to do with skin color and had everything to do with worship. Yep. And it's very obvious. In yeah, this passage. It's all about worship, right? And so Ahab, here's a guy who's obviously ran from his faith to some extent. There's no there's no return at this point. Mm-hmm. He has fallen into this this snare of the enemy and he becomes exactly what the scripture says. Which is a very wicked man. And he allows it too. And he allows it. And that's what um, we talk about how Jezebel is domineering and over the top. But Ahab sits back and allows it. Well. And he could have easily denied all these things. But like if you go study out some of like the historical side of this too. um, And like we don't have time to go into all the scriptures. But I mean, if, if I remember correctly, it was like she brought like up several hundred mm-hmm. different like prophets of right. Baal yes. and idols and yes. stuff yes. into his into Ahab's house, yes, into the place that he yeah. was building, yeah. And he sat back and allowed it. Well, and this is and to go one further, then not only allowed in our home, like let's keep going with that, right? Because. Well, what happens is if we allow it in our home, then it's in our community, right? If it's our community, it becomes the standard. If it becomes the standard, it becomes the government. It becomes the governance of the land. And what's what happens? Elijah shows up. Elijah shows up. And when he shows up, he declares God's judgment. Yeah, it's because it's chaos. Because of their, because of their uh, disobedience, their chaos, their, their lack of reverence for God. Uh, this is where it doesn't rain, you know, for over three years. And I, 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 I will. I want everyone to hear what I'm fixing to say because uh, turn on your recorder. You're not going to like it. Um, part of what we deal with in this land now is God's divine judgment. Yep. And people don't want to talk about that. 
some of the things that we've been turned over to in this country is because of the gods that we've worshipped in this country. Absolutely. And and the God of the Bible is a jealous God. He literally says his name is jealous. He literally says that. And and when he says his name is jealous, it means he wants our worship. Well, part of what has come on the land and the land that we live in is because of the chaos that we have allowed. The the lack of reverence. Yeah. We've we have been turned over to things that a hundred years ago they would said would have never happened. Our worship has become um, something of a of a joke um, in many circles in this nation. And and do I believe quote unquote America is under God's judgment? Um, you better look around and re- recognize that that the lack of the godly things in the land and the demonic spirits and influence and control that is in the land, 100%, I believe America is under God's judgment right now. And and no, it may not be not raining. We may not be in a drought, but there is a judgment on the land that has come because of what we've allowed. Well, this is where Elijah comes in. So tell, talk to me a little bit about what we call it. I call it the showdown. The showdown Carmel. on Mount Carmel, yeah, That's what baby. I call it, the showdown. It, uh... That's kind of the next, one of the, one of the big moments in Jezebel's uh rain and Ahab's rain that we see and and of course you know it's 50 verses or 60 but we don't have time to to read through all of it uh 46 verses but um kind of talk through that a little bit about the prophets of Baal and then and then Elijah and his role in this and let's kind of let's kind of talk through that well again we're not going to have time to to read through all of this but basically um Elijah comes in and is like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. He comes in, what is going on? And he said, um, you know, you are serving these hundreds of prophets. You're, you're worshiping them as idols, but you know, I believe in the one true God. Um, and right. he, he basically goes, um, up to Mount Carmel and he, the big the big showdown is, right. is what we called it. He um, basically gives them gives the the Baal gods an ultimatum, and I'm trying to read through and find out exactly where it is because it is um, big. But there was a burnt sacrifice that they gave to that he there were idols that he put up on Mount Carmel um, from Baal. And basically, he put the word, the, the, um, he built a stone, he built an altar, uh, in the name of the Lord, and mm-hmm. he made a trench for the altar. Um, and he put the word in, the wood in order. I'm just scrolling through this in 1 Kings 18, uh, in the, uh, 31st verse, 32nd verse. And, um, uh, da, 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 da. verse 33 says, and he put the wood in order, cut the bullock in pieces, laid them on the wood, and said, Fill four barrels of water, pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Mm-hmm. And he said, do it again a second time. And they did it a second time and do it a third time. And they did it a third time. And the water ran about the altar. Okay. Cause he put a trench around the altar. Basically he's like wet this thing. Right. Cause everybody knows what happens with wet wood. Yeah. It's not going to burn. Right. Okay. Um, and it came to pass at the time of an offering. Um, verse 37 says, hear me, O Lord, hear me. And this people may know that thou, the Lord, thy God, and thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their face, and they said, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Mm -hmm. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. 
And they took them, and Elijah brought them down from the brook and slew them there. Okay, so basically, long story short, Elijah has to come in and say, you guys need to be reminded of who God is. Right. Is basically what happens. And um, it's a fascinating story. So on your own time, go study the entirety of of 1 Kings 18 and the showdown on Mount Carmel. Um, But Elijah comes in and sees all this wickedness going on and say, no, Mm -hmm. you guys need to be reminded. Right. Of who God is, and so He showed He showed them how their prophets of Baal were were limitless. Um, they couldn't perform what was being asked, and He's like, "Well, let me right. show you what my God can do." Yeah. And throughout all of this, and after all of this, um, that's where Jezebel gets angry, sure, gets mad, and seeks out to then kill Elijah because Elijah goes on to prophesy of what's going to happen. To Ahab and Jezebel. Right. And so... Um, yeah. Was- I mean, th- this this whole encounter, really, for your study, read verse 21 in 1 Kings 18, where where Elijah basically says, hey, listen, uh, why are you standing between two opinions? If God is God, Correct. follow him. And if, if Baal is God, follow him. Um, but but then he goes on, and that, yeah, that exactly what you said. But then at the end of that, when he uh, has slain all these false prophets, this is where people will start tying in what we call maybe the Jezebel spirit. This whole thing's fixing to shift. Yes. And 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 this is, um, we're not going to go into the Je- Jezebel spirit on this episode. We will in a few episodes. But just keep in mind this, this encounter. Think about the man of God has prophesied that this, Rain was not going to happen, and then the rain comes after this great victory. And then, as he's going from there, you know, she begins to threaten his life. And Elijah literally goes out into the wilderness, yeah, and and even asks God to take his life. Yeah, he's fearful, right? Yep. This great man of God that had just seen this great thing happen, <laughs> yeah, sitting under a tree, yeah, and he begs God to take his life because because he doesn't feel adequate. And there's just so much more there. I don't have time to go into it read these chapters it's there's so much going on but what happens as a result of that is jezebel becomes enraged and um she has decided now that she's going to stop at nothing she had already been killing the prophets of the lord she had already been killing uh people that served god and now she's just she's basically doubled down and she's doubled down on her thoughts and on what she wants to do and Uh, This sort of thing. But the next kind of story, encounter, thing that we see here is another famous uh, account is the vineyard of Naboth. Now, I'll try to paraphrase this in good old Arkansas language. And you guys will just have to read it in 1 Kings in chapter 21. Um, But I'll, I'll tell the story as best as I can. And Pastor T, if I leave something out, you help me. But this is, this is what the word of the Lord would say in 1 Kings in 21. There was a man named Naboth who uh, lived next door, essentially, to the property of Ahab. Ahab, being the king that he is and being greedy and being the one and more, decides that he needs to own Naboth's land. And so he goes to him and he says, I will uh, get this land from you and, and I'll pay you such and such. And Naboth says, this isn't the inheritance of my father. So he's literally keeping the commands of God, which is another lesson for another day. 
this is the inheritance of my father, and I, I, I will not get rid of this land. In Correct. Other words. Well, this is where we start to see the true character of who Ahab <laughs> is, because he goes and throws a temper tantrum on his bed. Like a little baby. Like a, like a kid. Like a child. Like a, yeah. like a kid who didn't get ice cream after supper. He goes and throws a fit. Literally, he throws a fit, cries. On his bed. On his bed. And that's when Jezebel comes in, and this is where she shows her colors again. Yep. And she says, well, I'll handle this, and I'll take care of it. So Jezebel gets a letter pinned to those around Naboth and uh, makes false accusations against him. Yep. Isn't it interesting? I mean, tell, I'm telling you, she makes the very accusations against him that she does. Right? Yes. What does she tell him? She says that he is worshiping falsely and that he's a wicked person and that he's been a false witness and defied the living God. I mean, the very thing that she has done her whole life, she accuses Naboth of. Correct. And signs off on it with the king's well, signature. Well, not only, she wrote it on King's letter yeah. and signed it off with the king's signature. Yeah. She's sneaky, lying. She, what, what, what? just baffles me in this and a lot of people are naive of it today with the spirit of Jezebel. We're going to go into that later so I don't want to get too far ahead though is they basically tell you what they're going to do. Yeah. And then they're doing it. In a way that doesn't make you think it's them and then they do it. Right. So that's exactly what happens here with Jezebel. She's, oh look at this person they're doing this, this, and this one. It's not true. It's false. And she's doing the very thing that she is accusing others of doing. So what happens? Naboth is accused at that point, right? And he's killed. Yeah. He's stoned to death. I think the Bible says, uh, And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Naboth was stoned and was dead, that she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard. Um, Wow. Wow. Naboth is not alive but dead. That's in 1 Kings 21 and uh, verse number 15. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that he got up and he went down to the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, to take possession of it. Like this whole concept where Naboth got stoned and got killed for standing up for God's inheritance and standing up for his own commands of the Lord, you know, because we forget that in the Old Testament, your father gave you a possession, you weren't to get rid of it. Correct. It was a form of obedience to keep your father's possession. Correct. That's why he didn't want to get rid of the land. Correct. You know, I wouldn't want to live next door to Ahab. He probably wanted to move, but he didn't want to get rid of the land because his father had given it to him as an inheritance. It was what he had received of his father. And then just simply for obeying God, what happens? Jezebel pops in. Ahab throws a fit. Ahab gets what he wants in the long term by the wicked ways of his wife. And all of these things you talked about earlier about the yoking and about the marriage and all this thing, this is not of God. No, nope, right? Like not. this is clearly not of God. And so, and so as we kind of wrap up Jezebel, the character, uh, the last thing we could talk about would be her death. Um, yeah, well, at the end of, at the end of first Kings 21 is where the prophet Elijah comes in and meets Ahab right in the vineyard because the Lord came to him and told him all that was going on. And this is where he prophesies the the death right. of, I believe, both Ahab and Jezebel. Yes, yes. And he tell, and he says, hey, this is coming. He says, listen, now, uh, you're going to receive this as an inheritance, right? 
And and the wild part, man, I I could I could read this if if I think it's Second Kings nine. Is it Second Kings nine yes. where where With Jezebel? Jehu. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So I try to put it in in language we understand again. And if I get something wrong, the Lord knows my heart. I'm not trying to. Essentially, essentially, Elijah comes on the scene, takes over for Elijah. Okay. He's now the prophet of the Lord, okay? He takes a warrior named Jehu mm-hmm. and anoints him as king in defiance of Jezebel and Ahab's son. And I can't remember it. What's his name? Jezre- is it Jezreel? Uh, um, Jeroboam? Jeroboam. Hold maybe. on. Let me find it. I got to find it. Jehoram. Jehoram. There okay. It is. Yeah. Jehoram was in line to be the king, right? Well... I'm going to try to put this... Now, listen, there's a lot of chapters here. I'm, I'm combining a lot of scripture together. Jehu kills Jehoram in Naboth's vineyard. Like, literally, yes. this very spot, God ultimately gets the last say because Correct. Elisha has taken over for Elijah, who had been taken up in the chariot of fire, right? And so, all these years... And I don't know how many years it was. One of you Bible scholars, email us and tell us because... Uh, these years later, <laughs> these years later, here's Jehu anointed by the prophet because there's this miniature revival going on in the land with the school of the prophets and different things going on there. Jehu is anointed to be the king in defiance of Jezebel and Jehoram. And he kills Jehoram out in Naboth's vineyard. <laughs> the same right? vineyard that, that his mama and daddy stole. Yes. Right? But then, the coolest part to me, the whole thing, I want to meet Jehu because I'm just telling you, like, dude was a dude was a guy, right? Jehu goes into the city where Jezebel has made herself up, the Bible says. In other words, she's put her best face on is what we would call it. In, in, in today's term, she got her makeup on, yes. she's got her dress on, yes. her nails are done. The nicest things you ever saw. She may even have a nice pretty necklace on with all the jewels, everything, all of probably her little pagan deities hanging around her neck and her little idols. And she's standing in the tower awaiting the arrival of her opposition, Jehu. And Jehu walks into the city. And uh, now, now tell me what Elijah had prophesied um, about her body. Do you remember? That he should be thrown. Yeah. Well, and, that and then after that, yes. the the dogs yes. would basically eat and lick her up. Yes. yes. And so then you see Jehu come in. And to, guys, to make a long story short, he basically, he has this encounter with her, Caesar, and he's like, throw her down. Yeah. And her own eunuchs, her three own. of them, I think it says, revolt against her. Correct. And throw her out the window. Throw her out the window. Kills her. And... Yeah, yeah. And, and then later, Jehu's like, "Well, she is a king's daughter. Maybe I should give her a proper burial." And I believe when they go to get her body, <laughs> they find uh, the Lord knows my heart. If I'm wrong here, her skull, skull, feet, feet and palms, and of, palms her, of her hands. Is yeah. it just her skull? Feet, the dogs had done ate everything else. So ultimately, what was her end? And we didn't talk about Ahab's death. He had died earlier. Um, but that was her end. All that she had built. I mean, this is, this is the real story of Jezebel. This is the real 
speak about Jezebel. Jehu didn't even have to try to beat her. Her son was killed in the in the vineyard that she lied, swindled, murdered yeah. to get. And then when Jehu comes into the city, you know, this also talks about anointing too, right? Like Correct. We, we get in this later, but Jehu had the anointing of the Holy Spirit on him because of uh, the prophet Elisha yep. when he anointed him to yep. be king. Uh, the Lord was with Jehu. And, when and he fulfilled said, the prophecy yeah, of Elijah. Throw her out, you know. Hey, that was God's judgment Correct. falling out of that window. Yeah. Yeah. Man, and it's deep. oh, it's so deep. And we honestly don't have. We could probably do three parts on just oh, Jezebel yeah, absolutely. and Ahab. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so we 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 say all that for you guys to understand the the person of both Je- Jezebel and Ahab, because not a lot of people talk about Ahab. Yeah. He was a coward. He. He sat back and allowed his wife to run the show and do everything and did nothing about it, did nothing to try to stop it, did nothing to try to do anything. And so you really need to go study the story out for yourself and allow the Holy Spirit to, to lead into you. Uh, but one thing that I, I want to kind of give you guys a, a nugget on that Pastor Zach said leading into next week is notice that Jezebel's own son died before she did. Think about it. And we're going to kind of cover that nugget next week when we talk about uh, Jezebel and Thyatira in the book of Revelation. So tune in next week um, as we cover that topic. Thank you guys for joining the Pastor Sports today. Hopefully this um, gave you some wisdom and some knowledge on some things. Uh, We look forward to next week. Uh, Love you guys. See you next time. Thanks for listening to the Pastor Sports. If you don't have a church home, come join us at Unity Covenant Church in West Fork, Arkansas. We would love to have you. Thank you for your continual support to this podcast. Please stay tuned for more episodes. Have a great day and God bless.